everybody. it's jean nathan and it is crosstown conversations. and we've had quite a rough week we americans here and offshore in puerto rico and have had to deal with some very bizarre gestures on the the president's part and one of those gestures was not so much bizarre but i just want to broaden its what it captures. so the president called the massacre in las vegas an act of evil and i'll tell you what i think is also an act of evil and that is congressional cowardice in not passing rational and humane gun laws and that's what we're going to start our show with off tonight we're going to have a little more fun a little bit later on in the show but right now i want to ask representative steve scalise you praise the heroes who saved your life at the risk of their own how many more lives will you risk to satisfy the profit interests of the gun industry that hides behind the phony smokescreen of the second amendment that's how i feel about it now stephen colbert um, in opening his show the other day expressed my feelings pretty precisely as well so give a listen good evening thanks for joining us obviously this is a comedy show but it's one that talks about what happens every day and today the national conversation is about the shooting in las vegas and jokes aren't appropriate to address the shock and the grief and the anger we all feel but i do want to take a moment before we begin the show to say that once again we want to send our thoughts and prayers to the victims and their families and everyone who is hurt by this unimaginable cruelty. Now, terrible things happen in the world. Sometimes, like today, we feel they've risen to a new level, but we cannot accept that as a new normal. This afternoon, the president called this an act of pure evil, and I think he's right. So what then are we willing to do to combat pure evil? The answer can't be nothing. It can't. This time it was a concert in Las Vegas. Last time it was Republican congressmen and their staff under fire on a ball field. Last week, Representative Steve Scalise returned to the floor and was greeted with a bipartisan hero's welcome. It was the kind of moment that gives you hope that Congress might work together for the common good. And the bar is so low right now that Congress can be heroes by doing literally anything. Universal background checks or come up with a better answer. Enforce Obama's executive order that denied mentally ill gun purchases, or a better answer. Reinstate the assault weapons ban, or come up with a better answer. Anything but nothing. Doing nothing is cowardice. Doing something will take courage. But you know what? It took courage for the people at that concert last night to help each other as bullets flew. It took courage for the first responders to rush in and do their jobs. It took courage for people in Las Vegas simply to go about their day today. And now, President Trump, you've said you wanted to be a transformative president who doesn't care about the way things have always been done in Washington, D.C. This is your chance to prove it. And I mean this sincerely. You do not owe the Republicans anything. You know the Republicans tried to stop you from being president. Well, screw them. You want to make America great again? Do something the last two presidents haven't been able to do. Pass any kind of common sense gun control legislation that the vast majority of Americans want. Because if we are facing pure evil, then by all means, offer thoughts and prayers. But think about what you need to do and then pray for the courage to do it. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. So um, the big question for all of us is what can we do? And you know that on this show, that's what I talk about, not just what you want your public officials to do or your business leaders or the next guy, but what can you, what can I, what can we do? So on my show uh, today uh, is a woman who has that point of view, doing something, and her name is Victoria Coy. She's executive director of the Louisiana Violence Reduction Coalition. And um, she's a native Louisianan and has been working on social justice issues around the world. 
And uh, I, I think, Victoria, when I had the conversation with you briefly the other day, I got how complicated this is. It, it's, not, it's not an easy fix. And I, I was actually shocked to hear in the past few days that assault weapons are actually illegal. Assault weapons are illegal. What, what is not illegal is, um, what do you call the, the big assault weapons? You mean automatic? Automatic. Automatic is illegal. Semi-automatic is not. Right. However, in Nevada, automatic is legal. In purchase. Nevada, it's, it's all bets are off. Everything yeah. is, is, right. is okay, right? And, right. and that's how uh, that's this guy was had. able to pile up an arsenal of 47 weapons. He didn't buy them all in, um, in uh, Nevada, but it sounds like most of them. Um, so so it, it's a little bit complicated. So to, to want to let's parse it out a little bit, but mm -hmm. let's kind of put it in a list form. And then tell me what's happening right now, because when I talked to you, you were saying they're trying to get silencers approved and what was the other thing they were trying to get approved and maybe that's off the table now federally mandated concealed carry and they are not off the table uh, Paul Ryan came out and said oh, we're gonna consider taking these off the table and we're gonna move the vote it was supposed to be voted on this week what he didn't tell you is the rumors that I'm hearing out of DC is that they're just moving it to next week so he's taking it back out of the spotlight because he knows that a vote this week will lose for him but no, it is not off the table. In fact, there is a petition being sent around by an organization called One Pulse. It's George Takai's organization formed after the Orlando Pulse night sh nightclub shootings. And that petition is asking for these pieces of legislation to be taken off the table permanently or, you know, permanently tabled until we can figure out what to do All with All right. Them. So number one, we have the issue of the silencer and the, um, the the other one is called federally man mandated concealed carry which would allow the state with the loosest gun laws to become the law of the land all right so those are two things that we need to hear from folks on one way or another those are right? federal pieces of legislation that are moving right now that are defensive so we need to stop both of those so okay. call and stop both of those federally okay. mandated concealed carry and the share act how are we going to do that uh, we're going to call. So these are calling um, your your federal representatives. So these are both in the House and in the Senate. So call those folks up. So we're talking Scalise, for yes, one. Yes, we are talking We're talking Scalise. Graves. We're talking Cassidy. Who else do we have up there? Cedric. Cedric Richmond. And this is an interesting point. Cedric is the one that's really with us on these. So I would really recommend calling Cedric. And even once these bills are no longer in Cedric's domain and they're in the Senate, have Cedric, you know, call his office and say, look, I know that they're not in your uh, bill of work right now, but what you can do is walk across the street in Washington, D.C., which I can't do, and you can get a meeting with Cassidy's people, Cedric. You can get a meeting with uh, Kennedy's people, Cedric, and ask him to do that. So that's applying pressure through so, a secondary so are target. You, are you implying that Cedric needs a little a fire under his behind on this? I can't imagine that. And Cedric has always been with us on this. Yeah. What Cedric needs is for this to be the one issue that he's with us on that will outshine all the others. As you know, D.C. right now is falling apart at the seams, and we've got mess. new calls to action every single day. And so not just for Cedric, but for everyday people that might be listening to the show, we need to know that these bills are actually the most dangerous things that we've seen in years, especially federally mandated concealed carry would completely dismantle the permitting system, the only protections that we do have. So, so this so if is... if you take it down to, for example, the lowest common denominator, that would be Nevada with absolutely no restrictions. Uh, yeah, it's actually usually Mississippi or us with the worst gun laws. <laughs> is that true that we, yeah. we in Mississippi have the loosest gun laws? Loosest, yeah. And we Which may have something to do with why we have one of the highest murder rates in the it. country. Boom, boom, boom. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute because sure. th this is something that, I, you know, it's, it's, it's so common sense. It's just it's so hard to understand how these legislators can continue to ignore this. And, and that's why, you know, I said it, it, it really um, is a matter of is, is taking a stand um, in, 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 in independence against the gun industry that, first of all, lines these guys' pockets with money, let's call it what it is, A, and B, scares the hell out of them. Because they say, exactly if you don't it. stay with us, we're going to go after you in the election, right? So they yeah. really do have to have a little bit of courage. 
And it's not just But happening. don't ask other people to rescue their friends from massacres uh-huh. if, if you can't have the gumption to, to do what's right in, in the Congress. That's exactly it. And sometimes what that means is just calling them and saying, I'm watching. I know what you're doing. I know from whom you're taking money, and I know what votes you're making. And this isn't just our D.C. delegation. Here's the thing that people don't realize is happening. The fight on gun violence prevention is no longer at the federal level. These bills that we have federally are rare. The NRA, the gun lobby, and the gun violence prevention movement knows that the fight has gone into the state houses. Last year we had a bill sponsored by Helena Moreno that was going to close the so-called boyfriend loophole in domestic violence legislation, which would charge domestic partners, not just spouses, who beat their partners and who abuse their partners and uh, would charge them accordingly. And many of these include gun prohibitor provisions. The NRA flew in three lobbyists from D.C., and I sat and watched them with my own eyes as they walked through the House floor, which people aren't even allowed onto, and they got in the faces of little state reps, people from tiny little towns in Louisiana that are just there to serve their people. They're not doing anything wrong one way or the other. Got in their faces and used the words, I will destroy you. I heard that with my own ears. And similar language. You heard that? I heard that by a male lobbyist in the face of a female legislator. So this isn't just happening in D.C. If you want to take the gun lobby on, come with me to Baton Rouge. We can do this together. Well, come, let me ask you a question. Is there not a couple of the film crews, the, the, the television crews up there observing this, shooting some footage of that? It's so common. It's everywhere. It's every state house. this is happening. But what's more... But, but what I'm saying is that if, if we had a, a television advertising campaign, and, and surely we could find somebody to put some money into this that would shoot that that walk and talk that you heard in mm-hmm. the legislature in Louisiana and put that on the air so people could see how it really works. Yeah, I would definitely be open to donations for that. Uh, we we have had nationally films I made. I know somebody who would shoot it for almost nothing. We've had folks that. that have that have shown up and shown that this is happening, and the gun lobby doesn't hide it. That's the funny thing. If you Google Wayne LaPierre, who is the head of the NRA, plus big check, you see him standing behind checks with smiling men, and the check is labeled Smith & Wesson, Ruger's, right? So these are gun manufacturers who openly pay the NRA. It's not a secret. None of this is conspiracy theory. So following that money is actually super easy, and the NRA will say, yes, that's what lobbyists do. That's what they're meant to do. So... However, despite going up against the gun lobby, we have been able to win. And that's what I want folks to know, that not only here in Louisiana, but nationwide, we are winning in these states. So it's not a fruitless fight. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I want to come back. Let me come back to that. We'll we'll close out with that. But I want to just talk about, okay, Scalise, Graves, Cassidy, Richmond. Who am I missing? Kennedy. Kennedy. Oh, the senators. Yeah, Kennedy. Oh, you got Cassidy. Okay, Yeah. yeah. All right. How much money have each of these guys gotten from the gun lobby? I want to hear the numbers. Yeah, I, uh, let's, I see, actually, let's see how much it costs to buy these guys' votes. You know, there was a really interesting campaign that I saw that uh, had a – folks were starting to call their congressmen and ask, hey, how much does it cost to, to buy you? Representative Steve Scalise, who received $18,900 from the gun lobby, how much does it cost to buy you? Or we've got Charles Boussani. That's a Louisiana rep, 17450 Bill Cassidy, 10450 John Kennedy, oh, low one, $9,900. Garrett Graves, only 3000 to buy his vote. Clay Higgins, which I don't even know why they had when to When you say the money. buy their vote, let's, let's be a, a real uh, uh, straight on here. Did these guys all vote in favor of the gun industry's positions? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Clay Higgins, I don't know if he's had a chance to vote on gun bills yet, but we know that he will. He's terrible on this issue. Uh, 2500 And then we've got Ralph Abraham, Abraham, 1000 and Mike Johnson, $1,000. Um, so that is the Louisiana congressional members who are currently in office. And I did look up Cedric just to make sure, and no, he does not have any money from – Thank and somehow he's managed to get reelected, right? Because his supporters support him and, and continue to vote for him. Let me tell you why I'm so hot about this issue, y'all. Uh, in 1968, 
that's, uh, I hate to reveal my age, but yes, I was um, on the road working for Bobby Kennedy. I was actually in upstate New York, and I had fallen asleep on the California primary, and I was aw awakened by the gunshots that killed Bobby Kennedy. Oh, wow. So when the campaign ended, of course, with his death, I picked up and I went to Washington, and I joined in with a bunch of us from the campaign who worked on, guess what, gun control legislation, 1968. And so what is that now? That's 40, 50, mm -hmm. almost 60? I can't count. 50 years at least, half a damn century, and, mm -hmm. and we have still not figured out how to do this. I mean, I, I just, it's, it's mind-boggling. It yeah. mind All right, what else can pe people can call these guys, and, and we've called it out, Steve Scalise, of all people, eighteen, yeah. $19,000 basically, Garrett Graves, 3000 Cassidy, $10,450, Kennedy, $9,900, Bustani, shame on you, He's a doctor also. Cassidy and Bustani, they're both doctors, 17,450. How many, how many gunshot wounds, Mr. Bustani, did you work on and Mr. Cassidy that you worked on? And you have the nerve to vote with the gun lobby. It's unforgivable. Okay. What can we do? What can we do? So calling is the most obvious thing, but it's not the only thing. We're not just talking about policy here. We're also talking about changing hearts and minds. And that means not going into communities that are so affected by the epidemic of gun violence that they're experiencing a human rights crisis and expecting to change that in simple uh, policy changes, right? That means uh, letting folks know that a change is coming and that a change can happen. And that is what is the most infuriating thing about what the gun lobby does is that I talk to people day after day who say, well, the nobody's going to do anything for me. No one's going to protect me. The very government that they have hired to protect them and to serve their interests, they know that they can't count on those people because that's the effect of the gun lobby buying off our representatives decade after decade. So what we need to tell them is, yes, we can make that change. Policy works, but so does change right here in the neighborhood, right? So if these folks don't start voting with us, we vote them out. It's that simple. We've hired them to do a job, and if they're not going to do it, we're going to get somebody else who will. It also means creating smart wraparound policies and services. So that means talking about criminal justice reform, domestic violence reform, uh, you know, bringing in these other issues about um, restorative justice and whole community approaches until we can really heal the, the scars that have been caused by gun violence over the past 40 years. Okay, that's a beautiful message, but let's, uh, let's crunch it down again. Um, people can pick up the, uh, now to get the phone numbers for these folks, Scalia's great. What's the easy way to get their phone numbers? Google it, yeah. Google them and Just right Google there it. in their websites, right? That's right. Um, okay. There's also one of those things where you can text a certain number and it gives you all of your representatives' numbers. I'm going to look that up right now and have it for you in just and, a second. And also there is um, there's a petition going around that uh, somebody sent me and I signed it up uh, maybe by the end of the show while somebody else is talking. I can uh, pull it out or I might be able to just grab it. I put it in my newsletter. Y'all, you should, you should try to get on the list for my website. I mean, my uh, newsletters. It's not easy. I got to admit it because I don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Trying to add individual names is just something I'm not all that skilled at. However, um, so yeah, there, there are petitions floating around. They probably will hit your um, inbox sooner than later. And don't ignore it. Just go ahead and grab it and send something in. Okay. I got it. If you text the word resist to 50409, they 50409. will. 50409. 50409. Resist 50409. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Um, that will send you. It will find out who represents you in Congress. I'm assuming it asks for your zip code, and it will send you contact information for all of those people so you can just click through and call without having to think about it. Nice and easy. Good enough. Anything else in particular? Another really actionable point that I think is just easy for people, look, when you got kids that are going on a play date, ask if that parent has a gun and how it's stored. Uh, Louisiana leads the nation in unintentional child shootings, unintentional child access oh incidents. God, and this is just avoidable. It's easily, easily avoidable. And we have such a gun culture down here, both responsible and irresponsible, that it's just easy to ask. 
That's a good one. And it's a, it's a really terrible thing that, it, that it's happening here. Um, all right, folks. So um, I, I know that uh, all of you have watched the footage. Uh, of the, uh, and last night was, was gripping and, and really very upsetting to me when they showed some of the uh, body cam footage from the police who were on the scene uh, during a shooting and who um, you could hear the gunfire in the background. It was just horrifying to think that you're basically, it's, it's what is the expression? Shooting ducks, yeah. Shooting ducks in a barrel. It was just really grim. And um, for anybody to think of anything other than looking for ways to um, cut into the easy access to guns. I just, I just can't think what it is. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank I, you. I, I really appreciate it. And um, you've got your marching orders, guys. Resist 50409. 50409. Justin is going to join us now. Um, Dustin, I keep wanting to call him Justin. I got too many Justins in my life. And um, you, you, you keep me informed also. And, and um, as developments happen on this gun uh, situation, um, tell me how we can help. Tell me yeah. what, what message we can get out to Absolutely. our listeners. And we I'm also have a vigil on Sunday night for those folks who feel like uh, participating at St. Anna's Church uh, on Esplanade. Esplanade Avenue. 5 to 6 p.m., nice and short. We're going to not only honor the lives lost, but we're also going to give actions that you can take right there. And we'll make sure those can go home with you on a nice little Excellent. piece of paper. Sunday night? Sunday night. This upcoming Five to Sunday. St. Anna's. Uh, St. Anne's, is it Anna or Anna? Anna's a- Episcopal Anna's. Church. And uh, it's uh, just a few blocks from Ramparts. That's right. Right? Yep. So it's easy to get there, and it's easy to park around there, too, folks. So, yeah, show up. Be, be a part of this uh, fight. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you. so much for having Thank me. Thank you very Appreciate much for it. being here, Victoria. And um, so now we just we take a little break. We're going to uh, get back to some serious stuff in, in just a couple minutes. But um, Dustin Keene um, has uh, two interesting things to talk about. One is a exciting new project, and we're going to have him come back and talk about that at another time. Nola City uh, Beach is mm-hmm. a great, big, wonderful development that's that's um, going to rise on the shores of the West Bank. On the West Bank, <laughs> yes. Uh, facing um, facing kind of the French Quarter, well, essentially. Well, yeah, right, right on the, uh, the, the sharpest curve anywhere in the Mississippi River. Uh, we're calling it an urban oasis, uh, set to open in 2019, late, 2000, or late 2019, early 2020. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, an entertainment facility centered around great food, uh, music, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a really great thing. If you'd like to check more about it, uh, you can check out our Facebook at uh, Nola City Beach. Just give a search for that. You can find it. Uh, and we've been sponsoring tr- pre-opening uh, to strengthen the commerce and business in Algiers Point. Um, so and for that, you have an event coming up. Yeah, Tell me about it. Well, we're doing a, uh, a champagne stroll uh, in Algiers Point and with a treasure hunt. Um, we're having uh, about nine of the area businesses uh, participate in a champagne stroll. Uh, And we're doing uh, a free glass of champagne for anybody that RSPPs, as well as uh, to and from the East Bank on the ferry. So if you'd like to take the ferry over and come and enjoy from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. over in Algiers Point, uh, drink some bubbly, check out some of the businesses, do a little treasure hunt, uh, you can RSVP by uh, texting the word GOING to 797979. Um, we, we're Going really seven nine seven nine seven nine. Yeah. Okay, yep. we'll come back and repeat that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good little way, and you'll get a little uh, uh, voucher text back to to let you know that you've uh, been RSVP'd, and you can come over and hang out with us for a few hours and see some live music. We've got a couple of great nonprofits what day, involved. What day? are we talking about? We're talking about October seventh, coming right up this Saturday. Saturday from what mm-hmm. time to what time? Eleven a.m. to five p.m. Okay, and uh, it starts where exactly? Right at the, the West Bank Terminal, uh, Ferry oh, the Terminal. Ferry. Yeah, yeah, right so at the Ferry Terminal. That can't Street. be easier. And um, and so uh, give me a little flavor for the kind of uh, sites and places that are on the tour. Sure, sure. Um, we've got the, the main um, libation places available, such as Dry Dock, uh, the Crown and Anchor Pub, uh, Old Point Bar. Uh, but we've also been able to get a few of the retail places, like uh, Beatrix Bell Studio, Handcrafted, uh, Jewelry. Uh, we're doing one of the uh, really nice old bed and breakfasts. It's going to be doing an open house with musicians. 
Uh, so we've got a, a, a good plethora of, of things that you can do on that walk. It sounds like fun. And uh, Algiers really is coming into its own. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that are, that are going on in Algiers uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, definitely a lot of development eyes on that area. Uh, and it's, it's poised to do a lot of great things. And uh, that's why we're really excited about being able to kind of get ahead of that curve and, and do a, you know, a great stroll like this and, and get the word out that there's some really awesome things to do in, in Algiers. Uh, this is just the start. We hope to do these uh, quarterly as we approach the opening of NOLA City Beach uh, and just strengthen that, uh, that voice over there and, and the fun that can be had. Uh, so if you uh, do RSVP, you can meet us right there at the, the West Bank Ferry Terminal, get your first glass of uh, champagne and the map, which is going to have all your clues on it to check out at all the different businesses. Okay, now let me get the treasure hunt part of this. Yeah. Uh, so so w w what can one... Well, I'm not going to give anything away here, Gene. <laughs> well, but we, we have uh, various clues on the map that uh, you'll have to uh, search around in those businesses to find. And if you uh, complete the, the treasure hunt and get all the answers right, we entered you into a drawing for a $250 gift card at the end oh, of the stroll. all right. Well, so that's a little what I wanted caveat to, know. I didn't to, want to everything. I didn't yeah. want you to give away anything, but I <laughs> sure wanted to know what the reward was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to do a, a nice big gift card for folks that, that uh, complete the treasure hunt. Uh, and there's just some, some fun little things that are in each of those businesses. I mean, uh, there's a, a Doctor Who-themed pub in Algiers Point. There's the Old Point Bar, of course, where so many different uh, movies and TV shows have been uh, filmed and uh, a lot of interesting things in that building. Um, you know, some of the older older buildings. I mean, in Algiers Point is uh, one of the second oldest neighborhoods in, in, in the area. So. Right, so I was actually going to come back to that because um, it's, it's, a, it's a neighborhood that's always really uh, – prided itself on um, preserving its, uh, not so much historic character, but it's really kind of almost country village feeling. Yeah, and um, so, so how does that match up with your big old development right, on the river? Right. So, you know, um, do people question. love what you're going to do? Or Yeah, well, I mean, we've had a, a, a great deal of support, more than we, we initially uh, thought we would have starting out. Um, but that's one of the reasons that we're calling it uh, an urban oasis. Um, it's it's has its own character and it's it's nestled up into the the levee and out on the point there so it has a very uh, island or oasis feel to it. Um, we want to work synchronistically with that development and that venue uh, with the the neighborhood and the city. Uh, we think we can do great things not only for the the jobs and, and revenues of the area but to add some commercial diversity to to the area. Uh, people are really going to be excited about what NOLA City Beach is, is standing for and, and going after. Uh, we're looking at probably having the largest uh, infinity pool in the country at that location, uh, on a beach, um, restaurant there, <laughs> multiple infinity bars. pool on the banks of the Mississippi River. Yeah. That's, quite, a, very that's quite an a, a concept. Very unique, yes, certainly. And, and we think that people will really, once they, they can really see what uh, we're offering with the uh, local entertainment, local artists, uh, and and all of the people that are going to be involved, uh, we really think that people can see how it's going to be beneficial to, to the area. Uh, so we're quite excited um, to, to be putting all of that out to the community and, and the area. Uh, we'll be coming out with uh, the, we just did 14 weeks of community outreach to, to get a real handle on uh, the folks that are there in Algiers, uh, what they would like to see as we move forward and, and to become more symbiotic with, with what's already there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's a really big part of what we're doing is, uh, you know, this has to fit. You know, we want to get it right. It's, it's so important, and a, and a lot of people uh, kind of sidestep that or they do it in a perfunctory way, and uh, in the end um, they, they get the pushback yeah. from the community yeah, that – undermines um, a lot of I mean I, I really admire developers I've, I've got a friend of mine who's going to come in at the end of the show who um, put herself out there and, and uh, her family to uh, develop a project that was a, a big pro it takes a lot of uh, enormous amount of energy oh. and optimism and faith when the, when the tough moments come sure but it's and, exciting, uh, right? But at the same time, again, I, we all in New Orleans care about our neighborhoods. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here because right. you don't choose to be in New Orleans uh, if you want to be the most rich and successful in the world. You <laughs> choose to be here because of your Certainly. friends, your family, your neighborhood, Certainly. and the beauty of the city. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we've, we've put a lot of effort into to making sure that we're reaching out to those that, uh, in the area uh, directly in proximity of what we're building. Uh, to, to make sure that we have that uh, grasp uh, 
Uh, we really want to make sure that that's, that's part of our, our overall uh, motif with uh, a mentorship and, and local employment and local artists, local investment uh, are all you know, big parts of, of how we've moved forward so far. How, how are you, ca how are you uh, capitalizing the project? Where is the Up till now, it's been privately funded. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we, we are looking mostly at, at local investment. Uh, we want somebody that understands the, the soul of New Orleans and, and can see the uniqueness and the benefits to the area from, from this development. That's certainly. the challenging part. Well, <laughs> certainly. I mean, <laughs> you don't know until you try, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love, I love what you're doing in general. It's big ideas, um, but to really engage with your neighborhood the way you are, I certainly. think it's a great combination. And uh, what are you calling this thing uh, that's happening on Saturday? Uh, it's the Treasure Hunt Champagne Stroll. Treasure Hunt Champagne Stroll. Yeah. That's actually a subtitle for Discover a Treasure, which is uh, a lot of the little spots that are out throughout uh, Algiers Point. Uh, um, but, yeah, it's a treasure hunt champagne stroll. Uh, and, yeah, we're really excited about it. We think it's going to be a great, great event. Uh, we'd love for everybody to show up and, and get their, their glass of champagne and check out some of the things that we've set up for them. We've got uh, a couple of nonprofits uh, like Pinups for Patriots, which does a lot of veteran awareness stuff. They're probably going to be setting up, well, they will be setting up a, a kissing booth uh, along the route. Uh, <laughs> I haven't gotten 100% confirmation from the ESPCA yet, but they, they, they look like they're coming out. Uh, a few local uh, artists and mm -hmm. uh, some raffles for some local artist pieces, which are really exciting. Oh, okay. um, and so there's a, there's a lot of different diversity going on with, with the Champagne Stroll. We're quite excited. So, we're looking at this Saturday, 11 to 5, starts right at the ferry landing. And uh, if you in Algiers, and if you um, register ahead of time, mm. you're eligible for the treasure hunt, and it's called Going 797979. Right, just text the word Going to the number 797979. Space is limited, so if you want to come in from the East Bank, we will pay your, your ferry fare. Uh, to and from, uh, but to get your free glass of champagne and that ferry ride, you do need to RSVP to by texting going to 797979. Okay. Dustin Keene, Nola City Beach. Good luck with the um, uh, the tour, uh, the treasure hunt, and uh, good luck with the um, city. Yeah, yeah we're going to keep moving. We're quite excited. And, and again, with uh, Nola City Beach, uh, if you want to find out more information about that, you can, of course, uh, email info at nolacitybeach.com. Uh, or just check out the Facebook page, which is uh, just search for Nola City Beach uh, on Facebook, and you can find it. Good um, enough. Thank, thank you very so much, much, Gene. It's a pleasure in. to see you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good All day. All right. Now, next up is my gals who are going to come and talk to us about a wonderful project that they are doing with um, folks in town who have um, experienced some challenges in their life, and uh, they are asking um, folks to kind of see their lives, uh, in a sense, uh, in a new view, and, and, and that's through the lens of cameras. And I really love this project. I think that any creative activity lifts people out of their um, doldrums, out of their uh, the challenges in their lives, and it, it gives them a, a feeling of, I don't know, achievement, optimism, uh, just creativity. There's nothing like it. It, it can't be beat. And so um, I'm, I'm sure that this has a kind of um, comes. The value of it comes in two different directions. One, the kind of a new view of their lives on the one hand, but also the creative experience. Okay. With that introduction, have I got that about right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So ladies, introduce yourselves and um, let's talk about it. All right. Uh, my name is Heather Melton. I am the director of the My New Orleans. Photo project, which I founded last year with my partner Elizabeth Perez. I'm Maggie Mullins, and I'm the community outreach intern for the My New Orleans Photo Project. And Maggie used to work with us on um, our show, so she's familiar with our format here a little bit. Um, okay, so um, Heather, what got you into doing this? Well, I had heard um, through my studies at Tulane. I just recently graduated from Tulane with Disaster Resilience Leadership Academy, which is a master's program. And it focuses on not just disaster, uh, domestic disasters, but also international. So I was exposed to a lot of international development classes. And one of the approaches I heard about was called photo voice. And with photo voice, researchers often hand cameras to the people that they are working with, the communities who are in need. 
and ask them to answer questions using photography. And the, the beauty of this is, is that you're treating people as the experts in their own lives. And by seeing the context of the answers to those questions, you're gaining a lot more information. So I, I really was intrigued by the whole idea of using photography to explore other people's lives and share it. And I was also very intrigued by the idea of um, creating an, an empathy approach, an empathy building approach, using photography to connect certain communities who are marginalized with the general public again. So, so let's uh, let's deal with this anecdotally. Tell me um, about an experience that you uh, experienced, were a part of, um, observed uh, with. Um, uh, and I understand you do work with people who have or are experiencing homelessness. Correct. Correct. And so, so tell me, um, give me some example of how uh, being involved in this project, what they did, and how that affected them. Sure. So, and, and you're absolutely right. The whole process of being creative is extremely important for people to um, to help bring them out of sometimes a level of depression, to reconnect them with the community. It gives them a project to work on. It gives them a goal. Um, and we have um, we ask all of our participants when we talk to them through our, over the months how they feel about the project and what do they think about it. And so many of them talk about just the fact that doing something creative and having a project. And um, knowing that they were being listened to and that they were being heard was really important to them. And they felt that they had a, a big benefit just from that. And they enjoyed the being asked to show their lives and hear their opinions um, rather than what they normally experience, which is basically being ignored. Am I putting you on the spot to give me one example of a, a particular person who sticks out in your mind as, as someone who went through this and what they Sure. gained from it, yeah. So um, we work with a variety of, of uh, service providers, including the addiction treatment centers here in town. And um, last year we, we had a really remarkable um, participant named Dwayne, and he had, had been in and out of sobriety, or actually in and out of addiction, for probably 30 years. And in his last um, round, he'd become homeless and was living in his car and separated from his wife and kids. And then he, he entered Bridge House and went through their treatment program for quite successfully, and he's doing well. And he um, took an amazing picture. He took a lot of great pictures, but he took an amazing picture of some preachers standing outside their church in Central City and singing the gospel on a Sunday. And he would walk around, that's near Bridge House, and he would walk around that part of the city and look for pictures during the photo contest. And he was really struck at some point he said I realized that I'm looking through the world through fresh eyes through new eyes now that I'm sober and that was the strongest example um, from last year where we really felt that people using the camera and looking for photos kind of made them realize that in was some ways there was a new life going on for them there was a new way to look at, at, at life and yeah. um, and, and so out of that, he, he, uh, of course, he was already um, getting out of his addiction. But um, what, what is he doing now? He's actually back to work. He's a welder at a shipyard on the West Bank. He's, oh, that's great he's to hear. back yeah. with his wife and kids. Wow. They're all doing well. Um, and his wife actually participated this year, you know, uh, because of her husband's predicament. Um, we consider her someone who's also affected by homelessness. The fact that he was. Um, um, addicted and homeless and certainly affected her and the kids. How painful that must be, not just, again, for the person who's homeless, but to be the family of that homeless person. You have to have, first of all, this horrible kind of pathos that you just can't, you just, it's, you, you're sad and you can't do anything about it. And, and, and you must feel guilt, terrible guilt. To, to what extent did I contribute? to what has happened with this person. So so is she, is she was doing, she was participating in the sense of being a volunteer or, or actually photo, uh, doing uh, photography as well? She actually did photography this, this round, this mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. and uh, she took some great photos as well. So what happens with these photographs? You have a, an exhibit of them coming mm -hmm. up? Yeah, we have a gallery show reception on the 10th on World Homeless Day. And that is going to be at the Downtown Public Library on 219 Loyola Avenue. It's from 5 to 8, and it's going to be on the second floor by the printers. 
at the library, and so it's just going to be each participant gets to got to cho choose two of their favorite photos, and so they're going to be there standing next to their pictures, and so people are invited to ask them questions about them, ask them their perspective and what the photo means to them, and it's hopefully, like what Heather said, it's just hopefully an opportunity to give, let them, you know, that just... empathy communication. That em yeah, because... So it isn't just hanging the work. It mm -hmm. really is inviting the communication. Yeah. That's beautiful, guys. And we also put the pictures into a calendar, a yearly calendar. And so all the photos that are on display will be in the calendar that will be for sale. That's really uh, – I, I love that, uh, the, the interaction uh, mm -hmm. part of it. That's, that's um, a terrific idea. Uh, so, so what happens during the course of the year? How, how does your program um, – you know, uh, how is it structured and what else do you do? And sure. how, how on earth do you raise money for what you're doing? <laughs> it's That's my favorite subject. Yeah. Tell me how. It's <laughs> tough. Um, we start in the spring. We um, Luckily, Fujifilm has donated our cameras, which are single-use film cameras. And um, they give us 100 cameras each year. So we work with through the community partners, which are the shelters, the feeding sites, the addiction treatment centers, the day shelters, and... Um, we're good friends with all of them, and they help us set up the meetings and recruit our participants. We don't walk up to people in the street, but we do invite people who sleep rough to meet us at the library as well. Um, as you know, almost every day of the week, probably 50% of the people in the library don't have anywhere to go in the daytime and I often the night. I do not know that. Mm -hmm. So city libraries are extremely important for this population. It's one of the few places they can access free Wi-Fi. They can charge their phone. They can get on a computer. Um, so one of, we're very supportive of the library, and they've been very supportive of us. Um, once we hand out the cameras, we give them a couple weeks to take photos. We get the cameras back as best we can. We don't get them all back. A lot are lost or stolen. And then um, we get them developed, and we try and set up another meeting with each participant and look through their photos with them. And at this point, we start really interviewing them and asking them for stories about the photos. What is that this photo means? And this is when a lot of the really heavy stuff comes out um, that we hear. And we record it as best we can. We're getting better and better at this recording process. So when you record it, you're recording it uh, audio or uh, video or handwritten? Uh, handwritten or typed. Um, I think we're going to start doing either audio or video recordings. I think that that's just more effective. Um, I'm not... I get so and in some of those guys in the uh, um, in your film program at Tulane to yeah. help out. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. I get very engrossed in the story and I keep start asking questions and I forget to write things down. Um, mm -hmm. So I remember a lot of them, but I, it would be better if I could record them. So we, we are getting better at that, though. And then that recording um, that would be another um, you know outcome of what you're doing that uh, you could um, build into another way of showing the work and, and the experiences that people are going through. Because it, it, it's tough for folks to go by, especially the camps uh, under Claiborne, which are, are really, uh, and, and um, the panhandling. And so people really do have negative feelings about it to a great extent. And um, you know that if you heard the personal stories of each individual, you'd have a whole different position. That's really what you're doing. I love this. And so this is called My New Orleans. 2017 photo project, um, October 10th is the uh, uh, date of the reception to show this. It's from 5 to 8 p.m., and it is at the New Orleans Public Library, 219 Loyola, second floor. Couldn't be easier to get to, really. <laughs> and, Jean, um, I just want to do a plug one more time for the calendar. My, almost all of our funding does come from the calendar sales. Oh, okay. So the calendars, uh, if they order them through generosity.com, uh, we get them printed locally at Mealy Printers, which we, who we love. Um, the, they're actually discounted by 25% if they order through generosity.com. And that campaign will end at the end of the month and we'll move to a different online sales. But we'll also be having them at the gallery show for sale. And that's going to be for 2018, of course. So mm -hmm. um, great idea to, to have that calendar. Maggie, you want to add anything that you had in mind? Because we didn't... Uh, pull you in as much as we might. No, have. I think we got it. Also, just check out our Facebook page. We're going to be at, I think next week, we're trying to get a trivia team together for an Urban South Brewery fundraiser. Um, we've just got a lot of events coming up, um, and we're going to be at various art markets throughout the year. Okay, so wait, we'll let's come back to that now. What, what do you have coming up? We have coming up on, what do we have this Thursday? This Thursday is Urban South. Okay. 
um, the Rusty Nail is doing a trivia contest for nonprofits, and I'm trying to put together a team, mm -hmm. or Maggie will, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we also have another uh, fundraiser next Thursday at Parlu Beer Lab. And we have one on the 19th at 7-3 Distillery. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Go, girls. <laughs> that is a lot of work. I'm, I'm impressed with what you're doing. And uh, this is really terrific. My New Orleans photo project, and uh, particularly pick up on October 10th, mm -hmm. um, uh, 5 to 8 p.m., New Orleans Public Library, second floor, 219 Loyola Avenue. Thanks, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. It's, thank you, it's Jean. Good stuff. We really appreciate it. All right, now my buddy, my uh, longtime <laughs> friend, you don't want to say old friend, bye guys, um, uh, who ha has been a, a part of the culture of the city now for quite a long time. And in fact, she was, um, she was there in the early uh, years of the Contemporary Arts Center. And I'd love to give her this credit, and, and uh, she's I think, always feels a little embarrassed at it. But um, you know that thing called Art for Art Sec that's actually coming up this Saturday night? Well, um, Diane Reininger, she's the one who came up with the idea to do that and got it off the ground. She had help. There were a lot of other people who worked with her on it. Um, but, you know, the whole idea behind that originally, if I recall correctly, is that uh, we did a fundraiser at the CAC, and we uh, were essentially securing art that would be available for the show and also to sell. That meant we really needed to work with the gallery guys in town. And so the idea was everybody opened the season at the same time. And then with that, um, art for art's sake. Now up to 40,000-plus people out on Julia Street, but also now up on Magazine. And then you have the... First Friday in Central City, and now you have the second Saturday on St. Claude, and um, what do they call the, the dirty linen and other events in the French Quarter? I mean, it has really spawned a movement. Um, and Diane, in part, gets her feelings and her interest in the arts from Mom, who is an artist and who founded the uh, New Orleans Academy of Fine Art. And, and, and we have something special happening this Art for Art's Sake Saturday. Well, Jean, thank you for having me. And I also remember the old days when you were you and Bob were such a driving force to start the Contemporary Arts Center. We love doing it. And uh, that was very important to the arts community in New Orleans, and we thank you for that. And Art for Art's Sake was a spinoff, just a, a little antenna that came out of the Contemporary Arts Center those early days. But it's funny how those antennas grow. This one has really grown. <laughs> In fact, the very beginning thought and the reason it's called Art for Art's Sake, the concept was that it, my original thought was to have a fundraiser where artists could actually donate a, one of their works to, to give back to the arts, to mainly the Contemporary Arts Center. And uh, so it was, a, it was an idea that art for art's sake, that yeah. they could give a piece of art. Uh, it, and they did that first year. They donated. The galleries participated and took their commission. But a lot of those original, that original show was to support the amazing work in the beginning days of the Contemporary, Contemporary Arts Center. Thank you for that, because actually I, I didn't uh, get that uh, quite uh, in, in that detail, but um, that was what was so impressive about it, is that the artists were so willing to participate, and that the galleries were willing to participate. Yeah, and but it was a way where art could give back to art, so art for art's sake right. is how it exactly. all came about. Right. But uh, so this, this Saturday, Saturday, my mother... Uh, Dorothy Jurisich Coleman is um, an amazing artist, and she has a retrospective show at her New Orleans Academy of Fine Arts. She, along with Ossiclus Ozos, Ossiclus is the director and the real superpower behind the New Orleans Academy of Fine Arts, and they are having a joint show together. Ossiclus is exhibiting a lot of all of his new works 
and my mother is doing a, um, a, a retrospective, retrospective show. Yeah. And one of her earliest pieces, she was at Newcomb Art School, done in 1940. So we have one of her very old paintings, and there's also a very charming self-portrait she did at that same time. So uh, she's been through a lot of different medias. Some are very large canvases and watercolor and pastels. I think toward the latest work she's been doing, uh, she really loved watercolors. So there are a lot of just charming watercolors. So we're very proud of her, very proud of the New Orleans Academy of Fine Arts. And uh, we just think it's such a wonderful tribute that she and Ossiclus are doing the Art for Art's Sake exhibit together where they're sharing the Academy Gallery. So before <coughs> I go into some other questions I want to ask you, let, let me um, uh, make sure that we get the time and place uh, just in case we get carried away. So it's Saturday night. Saturday night, and it is from 6 to 8 at the Academy Gallery, which is at the New Orleans Academy of Fine Arts on Magazine Street. In fact, it's really the beginning of Art for Art's Sake. Uh, they tried to m not include the Academy, but it's so important that it's really where the up right near Jefferson Avenue. It's on Valmont and Magazine, so it's really the beginning. You mean it was a little bit far up in terms it of where it's far up, the, but uh -huh. we, they right. they did approve the Academy being part of Art for Art's Sake. Yeah, because actually, I don't I don't think of it as being that far up, and it it's a really it's kind of a dominant position on magazines. Well, it's a good place to start. Yeah. If you want to experience way down. art for art's sake, come at 6 o'clock to the Academy and uh, start there and just stroll down Magazine Street to Julia and you'll have a wonderful uh, tasting of all amazing New Orleans artists. Now, just, uh, of course, if, you, if people don't make it out on um, Saturday night for the opening, the show will be open from October 7th through 28th. Right. And what are the hours and, and days uh, that people can view the work in the gallery? Mon Monday through Friday from, I guess, 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And at that same time, the students are all up doing their, um, up on the top two floors. Students have um, different still life and figure painting, and it's really a, quite an amazing art school. And below, on the ground floor, is the gallery. It's called and, the and Academy at, at, Gallery. At any, at any time, approximately how many um, students are actually uh, working in studio there? I'm not... Approximately. Yeah, I'm not positive. I think they're probably, I would estimate, maybe 10 teachers, each hmm. class oh, being wow. maybe 10 to 15 students. Oh, that's more and, than uh, I And they yeah. have night classes, too. Uh -huh. So it's... Um, it's a great place, especially for people who have always had that craving to make art but have not tested themselves. And um, so it, it's, it's a place you can't, you, you, you don't have to be shy. You can come in not knowing very much about making art and really learn the basics yeah. and, um, and, and explore your own um, ideas and style. And well, Ossiclus is very uh, much a master of the arts. And it's taken after the Philadelphia, all the different great art schools in the country. So you need, if, to be a student there, you need to have courage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, because, is he tough? Oh, boy. He's tough. Oh, okay. He, he's the toughest one because he's so critical. I, 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 I always prefer the tough mentors and teachers. When I first started in television news, we had a managing editor who used to write these critiques mm. for everybody to see. It would, it would be a critique of every um, news segment every that anybody did, written out, and it would be on your desk in the morning. You'd walk in, and there'd be a paragraph, and it would basically tell you that your work was crap, <laughs> or it, it was terrific, or it, 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 it was great, but it did this. I mean, it was tough, and people hated them. And for me, I loved them because well, I was just starting in, in news, and, and this was the best way to learn is, is somebody who's tough on you and yeah. tells you, calls it like it is. Exactly. It's, a, it's important. And you can, being creative, you put yourself out there to criticism. I mean, every artist does. 
So whether you're one of the most important artists in the country, there are those who will criticize it. And uh, Diane, anyway, you, so. um, you, you, um, your mom has made art, and 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 you are an uh, an artist at heart and in spirit. Yet you never took to painting. I don't. I can't paint. What I love to do is sculpture. I oh, like okay. to get my hands in the clay, and I, I love okay. a three-dimensional. But flat, I was terrible. Really? I didn't have the courage. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I loved sculpture. That's, that's the Do medium. you make sculpture to this day? I do. I oh, do. Okay. I have to have a, that inspiration to do something, but I'm always excited when I'm in the clay. And I don't want to uh, miss talking about your meditation uh, labyrinths because um, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, so talk well, about that for a little bit. Well, I was involved with Audubon Park. We have a labyrinth in Audubon Park. And a labyrinth is different from a maze. A maze is a design where you try and get from one place to another and you have tricks and decisions and dead ends. It's kind of a game. It's a game. But a labyrinth is... There are no mistakes. You enter, it's a design, it's an ancient path, and you follow the path, and you twist and turn, and you come to the center. And it's very relaxing, it's, it's meditative, it's, um, it's, a spirit, it's a walking meditation. Now, you said it's ancient. Is, is this something that goes way back? Way back, 3, 000, over 3,000 years. The first labyrinth design was found on a coin from the Isle of Crete, 3000 B.C. Wow. So very ancient design, and all the mystics, they're all sort of, um, all kind of intrigue in the labyrinth. The labyrinth that is in Audubon Park is an exact replica of that labyrinth that's in the Chart Cathedral in France. It's 11 circles to get to the center. And um, Where is it exactly? It's right behind the stables, the Audubon Park stables. So you have to either go around the fly and come in, or you can go down Laurel Street and enter the park. It's flat, so you don't see it. A lot of mix up with the maze. A maze has um, hedges and things, but a labyrinth is flat and has benches around it, so you can find it. It's a beautiful space. And you're working on another one now? We are. We've got one that's going to be a new addition when they build the uh, Children's Museum at City Park. We have a special place across the lake from the Children's Museum where we're going to do a, a another beautiful labyrinth. Why? How, how, what, 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 is it, what is so important to you about a labyrinth? I just... Um, I really love building labyrinths. I like being in the presence of a labyrinth. It's very calming. It's very peaceful. In fact, the labyrinth in Audubon Park was the very first thing built after Katrina. Oh. When Katrina hit, that Monday morning was we were to begin construction of the labyrinth. Wow. And then everything changed, and you know we were weeks, weeks from anything. But, but you still went ahead with it and we did it. We did. We that did. must have been a, a wonderful project to work on um, at that particular time uh, to take your mind off that struggle. We actually, uh, Tannen and I, for the first time in 40 years of living in New Orleans and all this heat and humidity, which I was not raised with, so it's not my favorite. Um, uh, this was a, a time when Tannen could no longer you know, ride the bike and run the streets, so we built a pool. And it was a very s a similar thing to be able to have that experience of being outside mm -hmm. and uh, in enjoying the environment. Really, that's partially what it's all about. Yeah. I hear that music. I hear jazz is telling me our time is about up. So let me go back. Saturday, Art for Art's Sake, at the Academy of Fine Arts. I always get this wrong. The Academy Gallery at the New Orleans Academy of Fine Arts on Magazine Street, 5200 block, guys. That's not hard to um, remember. Um, six to eight is the reception. Dottie's work, Dorothy's work is so beautiful. It is so, it's just, it's, it's exquisite is the word. Well, she's a graduate of Newcomb Art School. And there we go. She's very proud of that. And her teacher, Will Henry Stevens, you see a lot of his influence in her work. So her color, it's just charming. So please come and see the gallery at uh, New Orleans Academy. And Diane will be there so you can um, 
hear about the labyrinths and, and uh, Diane's uh, years of working on it. And what a, what a wonderful thing to have it on Art for Our Sake, your, your baby. Thank you. Thank you and, for that. And my mama. Come and see my mama's work. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you all. Um, don't forget about Resist 50409. Don't let up the pressure on these guys. After all, Scalise, 18,000. Graves, 3,000. Cassidy, 10,000. Kennedy, 9,000. Bustani, 17,000. Plus, plus, plus. You know, do your share. Make sure that um, they work for you and not the gun lobby. This is Gene Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations. See you next week. Bye-bye.